Beyond Sin 372. This is Beyond Synth Radio. B008.5. Up next, Marco and Andy spin the best in new synth wave, dark synth, synth pop, and electronic tunes. It's the Marco and Andy Power Hour. It's the Marco and Andy Power Hour. With Andy Last. Well, you know I love Goldeneye. And Marco Marek. I'm from fucking Australia. <laughs> I'm going. <laughs> I just I just poured myself a monster drink, so I'm fucking ready to go. Nice. I'll try not to talk too much, okay? Ready to go, your bloody tea? No, actually, i got a big fucking uh, thermos of water. i got one of those thermoses that, like, wow. tells you there's, like, lines on it where you're like, drink by 11 a.m., and, you know, you're doing great, you know, to Jesus. make sure you... Anyway, listen. Okay, you do the intro, and then we'll oh, fucking... Why uh, do I every fucking time, man? <laughs> I, love it. I love that it makes oh, you mad. That's why I'm asking you to it do does. it does. I don't want to do the intro. It's your show. I'm a guest, too. Do you want me to do an impression of you? Yeah, okay, do that. <laughs> this could be trouble. I can't really do an Australian accent. Nobody can. It always <laughs> sounds British. <laughs> yeah. No, Americans always sounds British. It's like, really? The point is, we're here, all right? It's the Marco and Andy <laughs> Power Hour. I'm Andy. That's Marco. Hello. And today, we're joined by a special guest. Another awesome, beyond synth supporter, patron extraordinaire, Mike Erdahl. How's it going, man? It's going awesome, man. Happy to be here. So is that how you pronounce your name? It is, actually. You got it perfect. Most people butcher it, which is funny because it's only six letters. But yeah, you know, you got it first time. Good job. What was that? <laughs> I just heard a cat. Oh, that's my cat. I You had some catnip. He's gone nuts. We've got this catnip that grows out the back, right out our back door. That's probably why we have so many cats turning up now. And it's this bush, mm. and it's just gone ballistic. Like, it's massive. I'll have to send you a photo. That's hilarious. So anyway, we just brought some in, and the cat's gone nuts today. Calm down, mate. Calm down. <laughs> I haven't given Chester catnip yet, so I don't know how he's going to respond. Uh, a small percentage of cats don't like it, or they don't really, it doesn't really affect them, and then the rest just go nuts. <laughs> they get some euphoria. I don't know if he'll be like me with weed, where he'll just get all paranoid and he won't have fun, or if he'll actually really like it. I guess we'll find out. Start small. If I can give you any advice with cats and catnip. <laughs> we had an incident. So we've got two cats, and they both obviously love catnip. And I got these vegetables or something from the, fet- the pet food store. was just kind of piece of cloth chock full of catnip. And the cat obviously loved it. And then she decided to piss on it. On our bed. Like, like, what? What is that? I mean, my wife and I are just watching this unfold. It like it was in slow motion. We're just stunned. They're like, what? What just happened? <laughs> yeah. So start slow, preferably not on a uh, porous surface. I wonder what the unless she just like lost control of her senses because it was just euphoric, like being just super high on drugs yeah, or whatever. Just uh, man, a bad trip. Who knows, man? It was, <laughs> it was crazy. So someone fucking spiked it. <laughs> that would be a funny prank if you worked at the pet store. If you could find like <laughs> like spiking the catnip oh, or like gosh. changing the dosage. <laughs> <laughs> the dosage. <laughs> well, look, we're gonna uh, we're gonna keep chatting, but we're gonna listen to some music. Awesome. 
I got one here. This is actually a really cool synth pop track that you're all going to enjoy, okay? This is Ron Voyage with the track Runaway featuring Vanessa B. Andrews.
And that was Ron Voyage with Runaway featuring Vanessa B. Andrews. I feel bad because I feel like there was another Synthwave producer who sent me that link specifically because like they worked on it and produced it or they were friends with the producer or something. And I don't remember who that is, but the song is cool and that's all that matters to me. All right, so we're back. It's the Marco and Andy Power Hour. We're all having a lovely day. We're going to get to know Mike Erdahl, all right? Oh, yeah. So what do people need to know about Mike? Well, I think like we talked before we started recording, I work for a pretty cool semiconductor company based out here in Seattle. I'm what's called a field applications engineer, which is just fancy talk for I work with our customers directly. It's been awesome. I couldn't have asked for a better job, really. And if there's any young aspiring engineers out there, highly recommended as a career. It's a lot of fun. Cool. Now, before we started recording, you mentioned that you used to be in Texas. Is that what you did there? Yeah. So I was, I worked, I've been with that company now for a little over 11 years. 10 of them were in Texas. And then most recently, we moved out here to Seattle. And we'd lived out in Seattle from 2000 to 2010. So it was kind of like coming back home. But yeah, I just needed to escape the heat. The summer just got to be too long, too hot. It was fun for a while because we both, it's super common there to have pools and we had a nice pool. And so it was cool. I also, I love working on cars and that just got to be a little miserable when it's 10 o'clock and it's still 95 degrees in the garage. That's a, that just got to be too much. Can I ask you a stupid question? Yeah. What is a semiconductor? <laughs> oh, Jesus, Andy. <laughs> Well, I mean, just think of it like this. Pretty much every piece of every piece of electronics that you use will have chips, right? So inside of that chip, usually that that and you know that you've got the metal leads or the black plastic inside of there is the semiconductor. So you start with a piece of silicon and then you do a lot of metallurgy on it and you basically create circuits on the surface of the silicon and you know so that's been a thing since the 1950s and the progress of technology in the field has just been incredible but i mean it basically enables our modern way of life so it's it's in everything what's the big deal with semiconductors isn't that a thing now like the we need to get control of the semiconductors or make the semiconductors over here (laughs) didn't i have a guest I swear, I had a guest who was, like, talking to Congress or something. Wasn't he about, they are trying to get, like, local semiconductor making or whatever, like, in in North America? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I I vaguely remember that episode. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, I mean, the semiconductor industry really got started here in the U.S. And then just, like, everything. It's been globalized and different aspects of the industry have moved to parts of the world that the cost to do business is lower Unfortunately, those parts of the world can have, you know, volatile political situations. And I think right now, since there's just so much bullshit going on between, you know, the various superpowers, you know, it's it's potentially endangering our way of life, frankly. So if you have large parts of the semiconductor supply chain that are, say, in China, and then China decides they want to discontinue any sort of trade with the U.S., now that becomes a problem because if we have, you know, one part of the process that's done in the U.S. and it gets sent overseas to be completed or some other part of the process is done there, 
that's no longer an option. So you have to diversify the, the supply chain to be in multiple parts of the world, just to, you know, in, in case that happens, which obviously I hope it doesn't because it's it'll just be a, a huge problem for everybody. Was there an issue with the semiconductor shortage when there was the chip shortage? Was there like also a semiconductor thing? Yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah. Chip shortage, semiconductor shortage. It's chips are some have they are semiconductors. A chip is a semiconductor. Yeah, a chip has a semiconductor inside of it. All right, I'm gonna. <laughs> I have this uh, mission today to bore the audience, but like I am actually interested. <laughs> Sorry, you, yeah, I'm probably one of your least interesting guests, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm I'm stuck in a rut where I've got my favorite movies. You know, I watch Back to the Future a million times. I've got my favorite games. And I keep playing those, but yeah, as far as staying up, you know, I don't know, having a lot of interesting things to say about new movies or whatever. No, that's fine. I'm interested in the new Barbie movie, though, because it's got a 56 Corvette in it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to, I can't get excited about it. <laughs> I mean, it's being like, it is being reviewed well. I'm obviously more interested in Oppenheimer. Yeah, me too. I, I think I'd like to see Oppenheimer. Why do I get the feeling that's going to be like a three hour long movie or something? Yeah, it will be. It is, I think. Uh, guaranteed. Yep. Unless they split it in half, like, you know, Infinity War and Endgame. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> right as they're about to hit the switch, like it just fucking cuts the black, and then like, they have a post credit sequence, like teasing for the Oppenheimer end game. <laughs> fucking Robert Downey's in it. Might as well. <laughs> Is he? Yep. Uh, I don't think he's playing Iron Man. The thing is, we, we know how the story ends already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like the Titanic. It's like, I kind of know what happens, though. I mean, it's still kind of interesting. That's but... why I love those <laughs> stupid YouTube videos, because I just saw one today that's like, Oppenheimer, ending explained. It's like, it's history, you fucking idiot. Like, what... I know. Like, you don't know what <laughs> happened? <Ending explained>. Like, <laughs> how do you not know what happened? Anyway, look. The bottom line? Yeah, the bottom line is, Marco, play me a song. All right. There's a new one out from Celerect LA Dream. And Maya Kamara featuring her beautiful vocals. Yeah, this is really good. It's called That's How I Knew.
All right, and that was That's How I Knew. An awesome track from Cellar Act LA Dreams and Maya Kamara. I say Kamara. You think it's Kamara? Kamara? Ah, I know. I Fuck, can I should ask. These pronunciations. I know, I know. I say, I just said Kamara, and then she's going to be like, it's Kamara. And, um, anyway, look, the bottom line is this, all right? It's a lovely song, and we're back here on the Power Hour with Marco and guest Mike. We're talking about semiconductors, and we're going to keep talking about semiconductors for the entire hour. <laughs> well, here you go, Andy. This will explain it a little better, all okay, right? Yeah, do it. A sem- yep. Semiconductor is just a material that has electrical conductivity, but its value falls between that of a conductor, like a regular conductor such as copper or aluminum or whatever, and an insulator such as glass. And the important part is its resistivity falls as its temperature rises. That's the important part, Andy. Beautiful. Beautiful. So, knowing that... <laughs> yeah, but metals behave in the opposite way. You got regular conductors behave the opposite way. Like metals and stuff like that is the opposite. As the temperature rises, I believe the conductivity dr- drops. Is that right, Mike? That's a very good question. I I don't know, man. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> well, I'm just going by Wikipedia, so I mean, that's probably yeah. I mean, that that makes sense. That's probably why a, a, a light bulb doesn't melt. So yeah, okay. I just realized I'm, like, <laughs> I'm going to get my brain into a wormhole. I find it interesting, but I feel like I need to take a course or be trained for like a day to fully understand it. Even when people explain like basic electricity to me, I sit there like just with a stupid look on my face. Okay, and is the ch- charged ions or whatever? I don't know. Marco, this is a message from Jonathan, a.k.a. Restless Nights, who messaged me today to say, Andy, this is this is pertaining to the last Power Hour episode. Oh, what did I do wrong? Marco is wrong about Red Dead. Angel Studios wasn't related at all to Rockstar until after the acquisition, so it was a Capcom game developed by Angel Studios. That same thing happened to a ton of Acclaim games. Acclaim sold the rights to a bunch of their games when they went bankrupt, and other companies bought them and rebranded them. Like the game Sleeping Dogs, which was initially an Activision game, but it was bought and rebranded by Squaresoft. Tell Marco I'll fight him. So there you go. Well, I can't remember exactly what I said. I just read it off Wikipedia, I think. But that's basically what I said, is that they acquired it and during the process of making it, and then they finished it. So I'm pretty sure that's what I said. But I guess I didn't say it. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like that is what you said. Maybe right? Maybe he just wanted to fight you. He was in a fighting mood. Maybe the way I worded it was wrong or something. I don't fucking know. Sorry, mate. <laughs> the point is, all has been rectified. All right? We have justice, finally, and Mike's a big fan of justice, so he's happy about it. Definitely a fan of justice. Can Cannot argue with that. <laughs> so what's going on in the life of, of Mike, then? What, are you, what have you been up to lately? Do you get a chance to work on some cars now that you live in a different place? Yeah, we've got more space here, so I've accumulated more cars. So my wife and I, we've been together now for 17 years and after that much time, finally convinced her to join the car hobby with me. And so I'm pretty, pretty pumped about that. The reason why I was, I thought it was funny, the Barbie movie, because she got a, um, it's a 56 Corvette. So I'm a, I like old Corvettes and I guess apparently she does too. Me too. Yeah. So we're going to work on that together. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. So I've been working on her 56, my 64. Yeah. Just lots of car stuff. I also enjoy imports. That's how I got, actually got started. My first several cars were RX-7s, and that's really what got me into working on cars. Nice. The rotaries, huh? Nice. Yes. I love rotaries. I remember, Andy, one episode, you call them wanker engines, or maybe it was Marco. I don't remember. Someone <laughs> no, called them a wanker was, engine. I think it was Andy. I didn't There's no that. way I, I would have said that, because I have no idea what that means. <laughs> 
I hear the word yeah. rotary. <laughs> the wankle. The wankle engine, but they, someone called it a wanker. I swear it wasn't me. I mean, that's the terminology I would use, but I've, I've always been impressed with rotary engines. Like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> See, I don't even know what that... Put it this way. If you had just told me you were working on the semiconductors inside the Corvette, I would believe you. Because I don't... <laughs> these terms mean nothing to me. Fucking... <laughs> What is a rotary? Oh, it's a it's a very interesting engine. Basically, it's only got three moving parts. It's got what's called an eccentric shaft, and then the two rotors that that move within the housing. But you can the full combustion cycle is completed by just the, these rotating rotors. People call them Doritos because they look kind of like a Dorito. <laughs> it's a wankel engine. The That's big right. thing with them is that they have a super high power to weight ratio. They're literally the size of a beer keg and you can get a lot of power out of them. But yeah, as a young kid, I couldn't afford to have people work on my stuff, so I had to learn. And back then, it meant going to the library to get manuals and reading them or checking them out if you could. But so, yeah, just out of necessity, I got into cars and it just stuck with me. I can sort of relate because I used to have to give people manuals when they were working on my eccentric shaft. <laughs> Hold for applause. <laughs> All right, <Jesus>. listen. The- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. I'm just trying to prove I'm listening. That's all. I'm going to play a song now. That <laughs> is a horrible segue to music. I got a cool one here from Seven DD Nine, and uh, and this is just sort of a cool track, kind of cinematic cyberpunk type vibes. Uh, this is Child of Dystopia by Seven DD Nine.
that was 7DD9 with the track Child of Dystopia from the album Computer Program Reality. And that is an LP. And we're back. Okay, I'm here with the Mar- Marco and Andy Power Hour. Marco's over there. That's right. And we got special guest Mike over here. We're talking about eccentric shafts and rotaries and RX-7s and <laughs> working on cars. I-, I don't quite get when people have a, like the car hobby because it all seems very expensive to me. So it is. Is the idea that like yeah. you fix it up and then sell it and then work on a new project? Or do you have a Jay Leno's garage type situation? Yeah, I would say I'm more of a car hoarder I, I put a lot of heart and soul into these things and so yeah it's, it's hard to sell i will get rid of stuff that i genuinely just don't i won't keep stuff around just for the heck of it i had an mr2 turbo for a little while and just hated the power band like it just didn't really you know all its power is made up top because it was a turbo four cylinder and it just seemed like you were just always revving the heck out of it to get going and that just wasn't very much fun i didn't keep that car very long but most things i've had for quite a while but since i my day job is in the electronics industry I, I usually incorporate that some way into a lot of the cars like i have you know i'll redo the wiring or change the uh, the engine computer to something a lot more powerful and i do all the tuning myself so that's you know there's, there's aspects of programming cool so yeah it's not just wrenching i do a lot of the electrical stuff as well that's where i actually derive a lot of the a lot of the fun from but um yeah i mean if you want to change topics you mentioned cyberpunk i'm curious if you, you ever <laughs> got to revisit cyberpunk there's a segue i haven't so the last thing was i'm still at the same place in the game where i was about to do some mission that was during a parade where you had to like sneak in and talk to the, some lady who was like the head of a company or something yeah you had to approach her during a parade and that's where I still am. Because the past few months, I've just been playing Zelda. Just like I was saying last week when we were talking to Brandon, it just made me nostalgia for Ocarina of Time. So like the past three weeks, I've just been playing Ocarina of Time whenever I got a chance to just relax. And so I'm playing N64 Zelda right now. That's where I am. What about you, Marco? Did you ever get into Cyberpunk? No, I didn't. And that's going to be the most hyped game of all time, just about, right? I can't believe how much hype there was. But I know it got bagged pretty bad for its faults and shit, but what is the overall consensus for that game? Is it worth playing now? Is it really good? Yeah, I think it's improved, and especially when they came out with that and when that, that Netflix anime series. I think that mm-hmm. brought a lot of new interest, because I think they timed it well, where they released some patch that fixed... And they had obviously been patching it throughout, but right. I think the game was a lot more playable. A lot of the bugs have been worked out after that cyberpunk anime came out. So that brought a whole new audience or maybe inspired people that were initially put off to try it again. But I don't know. I got it. I played it day one. I had just the regular PS4, not the Pro. And yeah, Mm -hmm. it crashed. But I still had a good time. I mean, I finished the game well before they actually fixed a lot of the crap with it. But I don't know. I think it's like a lot of things on the internet these days where there's this hive mind mentality that people just latch on to whatever the consensus is. And maybe they did like it, but it's not the cool thing to say. I'm not sure, but I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really interesting, fun game. I think it's worth playing now. I bought it when they did the first patch that was like specifically for the next gen consoles. Sure, yeah. Because remember there was that thing where at first if you played it on PS5 it was still technically the PS4 version and stuff. Right. I got it on sale for 30 bucks and it was fine and like the only real flaw because when I was playing the PS5 one was I started with the graphics 
on there's always two modes on PS5 it's like you know there's graphics mode and then there's performance mode and I played it on graphics mode to see the fucking ray tracing or whatever and the game felt broken to me and then once I put it on performance mode and the game started running at a smoother frame rate it's like a lot of my problems were solved because like in high graphics mode the controls felt really laggy and I remember at first going like oh fuck this game is broken like it just it it felt horrible to play and then once I put it in performance mode it, it played fine it's not a bad game and i enjoyed playing it and i actually put a lot of hours into it and then one day i just stopped and that was it like i just i haven't been back to it there was no like falling out where i was like stuck on a hard boss or just had a time where i just kept dying repeatedly on a mission or something it was just one day i just was just done it just happens inexplicably with me with some tv shows with some games and I don't have a reason. It's just, I think it's just because there's too many games. Just like there's too many shows on the fucking streaming and like you switch to something else just for the fact that there is something else to switch to, you know? Sure. Yeah, that kind of reminded me of uh, the sequel to Horizon Zero Dawn. What was that? The Forbidden West or Forbidden Wilds, whatever it was. But the same thing, I just, I didn't get into it as much as the first one. And just one day I just quit playing it and haven't played it since. But, you know, back in the day when I could literally only afford one video game every like two years. Years. There's a reason why I love GoldenEye and Perfect Dark and Zelda and these things. Sure, sure. Because I didn't own anything else. So like, when I played, I put hundreds of hours into Perfect Dark because that was like the cartridge I had. Mm-hmm. We just don't live like that anymore. And so it's just so easy to just fucking switch over to something else. But like if Cyberpunk was the game I bought that year, then yeah, I would have been, I'd be replaying the game looking for secrets and shit at this point. But that's just not where I'm at. I'll probably end up playing Cyberpunk one day. I, I do that a lot with these games. When the hype settles down and it's a bit cheaper, I'll get right into it. So, it is the type of game that I like. I mean, I, I do love the Red Dead Redemption game. I mean, a lot of the open world games I've played, I, I really like them. So, I, I know I'm going to like it. It's just a matter of time, I suppose. It's funny, because when you finally get around to playing it, you will be like what the fuck was everyone ragging on this game for? Like, yeah, it's not perfect, obviously, but like, very few games are. But once you finally get around to playing it, you'll be like, this game's fine. What was the what was the problem? You know what I mean? Like, as, with all the fixes, like, it is a perfectly fine game. It just didn't launch as the 10 out of 10 that everyone was expecting it to be. Kind of like what's going to happen with fucking Starfield. Because there's right, so much yeah. riding on Starfield being, like, a 10 out of 10 game. Yep. That, like... If that game comes out and it's even a fucking eight, people are going to be disappointed. That game has to be the thing that literally single-handedly saves Microsoft. And if it's anything less than a 10, there's going to be nerds like, I'm still going to play it, but like it's, you know, there's a lot riding on it. I'm excited for that one. That'll be really cool. I'm curious. It seems like there's definitely some aspects of that are similar to... Crap, what was that other... No Man's Sky? Yes, No Man's Sky. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's interesting. You can tell there's... Definitely some cross pollination of ideas there, but I think that'll be a that'll be a super cool game. Yes, I've played No Man's Sky, and I, I guess I'm just like I'm a very particular person, and everything about No Man's Sky is like I should like this, but because it was kind of so open, the overwhelming aspect of it took away some of the enjoyment and so like I'm actually looking forward more to what Starfield does even if it rips off some of the elements of No Man's Sky because I know I'm comfortable with the format of the Bethesda game sure of the fucking Skyrim and the Fallout and that sort of thing that I feel like sure 
with that context, the way the story will move and the way you'll get missions and objectives and stuff, and on top of it have a little bit of that No Man's Sky flying to different planets and mining shit, I think that's going to be better for me, personally. Yeah, I could definitely see that, where it's not... I don't know. You're not almost paralyzed by all of the choice that you have. It is a little bit more of a directed adventure. Yes. I think ultimately that's that's what I like. But I tell you what else I like is... <laughs> cool music? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Whose turn is it? Marco, it's your turn. Is it? Ah, oh, fuck. Yeah. All right. I thought it was your turn. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> all right. And this is the second time I've been wrong. All right. Jonathan's going to beat you up. <laughs> Sorry, Jonathan. I, I make mistakes, mate. There's a new one out from Brave Annie. I don't know if you've heard of that artist before, Andy. He or she, I don't know, has a new track out called Light Years. It's a really good sound. It's almost like a classic synthwave sound to this one. It really takes me back.
Light, and that was Brave Annie with the track Light Years. And that was a cool song, and we're here. It's always fun to listen to cool new music, because that's what we do here at the Marco and Andy Power Hour. Of course, I'm here with Marco. I'm here with special guest Mike, who's a cool guy, a field application engineer, and that's what he does all day. He hoards cars, uh, MR2 turbos, cylinders. <laughs> what else? You're not a perfect Andy. <laughs> See, that's the point, man. It's important to, to listen to what people have to say, <laughs> even if it's going to go out the other side of my head and just be like, tomorrow, if you just said, what's a cylinder? I probably wouldn't even be able to tell you, like literally what the shape is, but so, that's okay. Okay. Maybe, maybe a topic that's more closer to you. So I'm curious on... on your thoughts on the sort of the origin story of synthwave i know you've talked about this a lot but i'm curious to to revisit that sounds good to me one of these days i should actually write this down properly because i've never really settled on a definitive answer but then it also depends on like what you mean by the question like are we talking about the synthwave sound itself like the musicality regardless of what it's called you know are we talking about the synthwave scene the moment when the visual aesthetic merges with the sound? Are we talking about when the name Synthwave was first used, like in the context of this music and and scene, you know? Because I'm sure the word Synthwave probably existed in the 80s, but it would have been describing something different. So, like, when did the sound start? You know, like, was it Outrun? Was it, like, the French Touch and the New Disco and the Valerie Collective? Like, I remember reading that Calm Trues dropped the term Synthwave. It was, like, in 2010 or 2011 in an interview. Although I can't Mm. remember if it was like hyphenated, like synth hyphen wave or synth wave as like one word. But then, you know, like Steve thought that he coined it. Yeah, he did, didn't he? Project Friday. And then there was... (laughs) Some other people we've met along the way yep. who have uh, <laughs> who have claimed that they've invented Synthwave. Oh, yeah, yeah, our old buddy, yeah. <laughs> he created so, Synthwave even, not just the name. He created it. <laughs> yeah, so it depends, I guess, when we say what it means for the origin. is like when the term is first invoked, because it's tricky because people also retroactively put Synthwave into their hashtags for their music. Because I remember one time I was curious about the origin of, like, who was the first person to put, you know, Synthwave? And then I used, like, the Wayback Machine and went to Bandcamp, and some artists who have Synthwave in their hashtag didn't in the year, like, 2010, 20... I don't want to name anybody, but, like, there was some artists for sure I was like, oh, maybe they had Synthwave in their fucking thing and they didn't. So I feel like it's still more like 2010 12 when the term really starts getting thrown around. I don't know, Marco, what do you think? Well, it's complicated. I mean, I feel like it all kind of started off in the early 2000s, even possibly the late 90s. You had music genre like Electro Clash, which I got into, and it did get pretty popular around 2002, 2003, and that kind of fused 1980s Electro, New Way, Synthpop, with a bit of 1990s techno, and that got a bit of airplay, and that got popular. And then you had artists like, you know, probably even before Valerie Collective, you had artists like Kavinsky and Lifelike making more dancier stuff that had synthwave elements in it. And then you had the French artists like Valerie, obviously, early on in 2007, 2008, like College and... Favlin and all those guys. And then sort of Australia was doing its own thing too at the same time, which wasn't really synthwave, but it was very 80s inspired. You know, artists like Lady Hawk, Miami Horror, Cut Copy, a few others. So they had their own thing going on. And then I guess from that, it emerged. So around that time and just after, and then it got pretty popular. I mean, I like to say stuff like Vice City had a bit of an influence to it, I would like to think. Sure. How much, I don't know. But I know a lot of people 
really enjoyed that game and the soundtrack. And that, what was that, 2003, I think? It's interesting the dates that you guys both cite because, so what brought me to Synthwave and your show specifically, Andy, was trying to recreate a time in my life that was really impactful musically. And that was early to mid 2000s. I had a really good friend that lived in Portland and you know some of the bars and clubs we would go to it was just kind of you know this retro-y down tempo type music but it, you know electronic at the same time you know like the portlandia intro music which mm-hmm. <laughs> i remember tracking that down and funny enough that may have actually been what led me to your show andy but i remember trying to find that on soundcloud i think yeah. and i remember not specifically not liking how the song progressed after whatever <laughs> the first 30 seconds on portlandia but yeah and then i think 2010 2012 ish more mainstream artists like metric and m83 oh yeah yeah i would say that was maybe a little bit more what you would that would maybe apply to synthwave i'm not really sure but i'm trying to think too like what i was actually listening to before i discovered because remember my window into synthwave was weird because it was through i was looking for video game soundtracks and stumbled on hotline miami and specifically perturbators track and then before then it was like random tracks that would evoke like 80 stuff to me like fucking chromio for example Mm. i listened to Mm. chromio because that had that sort of like that 80s funk vibe to it which was fun metric um i do remember a specific song but this is like uh, 1999 or 2000 from uh, gg agostino i mean i feel like the most famous song from that guy was that fucking that blah blah song which i can't stand you know the fucking (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah 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 (laughs) that's perfect (laughs) Yeah, it's nonsense. But he has this other one, which was a Eurodance song called uh, I'll Fly Away With You, or under its uh, original French title, L'Amour Toujours. And it's uh, it's got this lead male vocal that even though it's it's like a Eurodance track, I got 80s vibes from it, and I listened to that a bunch. And you know, like in the late 90s and early 2000s when like the Euro dance and trance was big, there was a bunch of popular like trance and electronic dance hits and like a lot of them were just 80s covers. So there was always this like seed of that retro 80s floating around. But I, but I really think the biggest one was Valerie Collective, what they were doing. That was really, there was Kavinsky, you know, and then that was kind of, he was doing his own thing in Lifelike, but, but I think the Valerie Collective was really, what they were doing was really set the groundwork for that sound I feel like you know even what Australia was doing with Cut Cop that was kind of a little different it was still very 80s inspired poppy kind of stuff but when you listen back now really I think what they were doing was the real groundwork they were real pioneers of that sound I feel like that's for me anyway but then I think when Drive came out I don't know how many of those songs I listened to right before Drive came out I was like ah there's a few comments here and there as soon as fucking Drive came out everybody was like oh my god I watched the movie I love this like it really brought it to the forefront i think yeah my main question i guess is who literally did hashtag synthwave first 
That's what I want to know. And I don't think that's an answer we're ever going to get. Like, I want to know who was the first artist who on Bandcamp did Synthwave as one of their tags or on SoundCloud. Can you ask ChatGP about that? I can. We'll see what ChatGP You never know. Let's see what ChatGP, because I don't know how else you could find this shit out. Well, look, how about this? I will type to my friend ChatGPT, but first we're going to listen to some music. (laughs) So I want to listen to this one from Bunny X from their album Love Minus 80. This is Daydreaming. Thank you. 
And that was Daydreaming by Bunny X from the album Love Minus 80. And we're back here, the Marco and Andy Power Hour. I'm here with Marco, and we're here with special guest Mike, who is a cool patron of the arts, and the arts being the Beyond Synth podcast. And we're trying to figure out the origin of Synthwave. And so I'm going to ask ChatGPT. Here we go. What is the origin? Up. Synthwave? Question mark. Alright. Synthwave, also known as Outrun or Retrowave, is a genre of electronic music that emerged in the mid to late 2000s as a form of nostalgia for the pop cultures of the 1980s. It was influenced by many diverse movements and styles, including new wave electronic music and neon aesthetics of films and video games from that era. The term synthwave was coined to describe music that loosely imitates these sounds and moods by using synthesizers and drum machines. In visual art, it is often associated with the aesthetics of the 1980s films, especially science fiction and action movies, video games, and television series. It doesn't really say who coined it, though, does it? They, they want to say the earliest pioneers, French artists, known as stage name as College, Teenage Color in 2008... Real Hero from the Drive Movie Soundtrack, 2011. Other notable artists include Kavinsky, Mitch Murder, Perturbator, and Carpenter Brute. Oh, love some Carpenter Brute. Yeah, me too. I wish I had seen him live. I mean, I, I did see Perturbator live, but I never got to see Carpenter Brute. I know he's got like a full band and everything, so that'd be fucking awesome. One day, maybe. His videos are just insane. Yeah, right? <laughs> they really are. It's an interesting kind of vibe because I really like Carpenter Brute's music, but I do remember seeing them when Le Matos was opening, which was years ago, and it is weird that like the visuals are all just like kills from horror movies, and I get that that's the aesthetic and people. there's people in the crowd like that but I did get the vibe that like some people were kind of like weirded out by it because I remember specifically like overhearing like a conversation of this girl like yeah those visuals were weird you know like because it is literally just the screen in the background is just like 70s and 80s horror films of just people getting like drills into their head and stuff just from like weird B movies and stuff (laughs) yeah that's the shit I like though (laughs) it does create like a strange vibe if you're just like used to listening to the music and then you go there and just like yeah but she didn't that person didn't know I guess they probably didn't know Carpenter Bruce too well because my favorite video is obviously like one of the most amazing music videos of all time and it's just a guy driving a car with like a fucking gas mask with glowing eyes and it's more science fiction than horror true i think some of the earlier ones before he could afford to make such high quality videos of his own it was usually a montage of horror movie kills <laughs> yeah well that's well, that's what's in the background yeah well there you go <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but whatever, man. It's cool. Look, man, the bottom line is it's all good. We're never going to get to the bottom of this, so let's just say I invented it. I'm, I'm happy with that. All right. Yeah, that works. So what's been going on then in the life of Mike? Are you still playing Cyberpunk? Is that why you brought it up, or have you moved on to something else, something cooler? Not lately. I've been enjoying enjoying our nice summer. I'm actually really looking forward to the new expansion that I think is supposed to come out next month. Or September. I don't know when it's actually coming, but I'm looking forward to that for sure. Is it for Cyberpunk, the expansion? Yeah. Phantom Liberty sounds cool. a lot like a Metal Gear, yeah. <laughs> Metal Gear name. Yeah, that's coming out. And sounds like they're revamping a whole bunch of systems. It'll be next gen only. Yeah, I think a lot of people complain about the police system. And so that's going to be completely revamped where they actually give chase and they're just smarter in general. But yeah, looking forward to that and getting back into it. I 
started a new character earlier this spring and just hadn't really gotten into it. It's just it's a little bit harder than I remembered it being. <laughs> I, I tried as a different, you know, whether the different life path and maybe that was just more difficult. I don't know. Did you give your character a big old dink? <laughs> no, I usually like to play as the females, man. I gave mine a big old dink. <laughs> That's what I do. Jesus, Andy. Well, you can. <laughs> did, you, did you guys see the thing for the new Baldur's Gate? You can give yourself a big old dink in that, too. I think you can have sex with a bear or something, too, can't you? Or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a magical bear. Let's be clear here. We're talking about a fantasy video game. I know what you're talking about. I remember seeing the thumbnail on the YouTube video and specifically kept scrolling, but <laughs> I don't need to see <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> The first article that comes up. Baldur's Gate 3 has a gay bear sex scene and people are loving it. <laughs> I love when people write yeah. stuff like that. Like, you mean people or the author of this article? <laughs> That's what like, we've been missing in video games. That's it. We need more of that. Sometimes I just will read articles <laughs> where people are acting like there's some, like, giant social movement behind, like, some stupid thing. And I'm like, is that really happening or is this just you being a weirdo? <laughs> Look at all these things. They're just People are so positive about this bear sex. What a weird thing to be excited about. Yeah, but these guys... Games are getting so complicated now. You have so much stuff that you can adjust for your character. This is what usually happens to me. I have to stop doing it. I get the game and then I get really high because I'm really excited to play it. And then I put it on and I spend like three hours creating my character. And I'm not even, I don't even play the game. It's like fucking hell, man. You know, it's like, what, what, who, what really defines me as a character, you know? And I probably spend an hour on the dink. It's a, dr- <laughs> <laughs> it's a druid in bear form. Oh, that's right. Yes. Literally, as a druid, Halson can temporarily wild shape into a bear, and he does this during a romance cutscene. So you're still technically a person. You've just magically transformed. That's what's happened. Does that make it better? I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm not too sure. Probably even more kinky. Yeah, listen. Play me a song, Marco. <laughs> okay, I got a new song here from an artist that I am not going to try to pronounce. I used to try to pronounce this back when I did Synthetic Sundays, and I butchered it. I, I can't do it. So, Andy, you're going to do it. But the track is called Vision and Heart. I can't do this one either. Fucking Europa Wait. Oh, oh, do you know what sucks too? What? He sent me how to pronounce this. I had somebody send it to me too, and I still couldn't figure it out. I, I just can't. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry, mate. Your music's great. I just can't pronounce it. I'm an English. Uh, well, so leader. is he. I used to think, oh, is this guy German? But it's not. It's, he's not. Isn't he? No. It's just a, oh. a cool name he chose. Well, you go for it. Give it your best shot. Europa Wait Aus Ausschichten. He literally says he's from Germany on his SoundCloud, though. Well, he's a liar. Oh, Jesus, Andy. Anyway, let's listen to it. What's the track called? Oh, shit, I forgot. Uh, it's, it's called Vision and Heart.
All right, and that was Vision and Heart by Europa Weight Ausichten. <laughs> Listen, man, I tried. We all tried. And we're back. The point is you can go listen to their music. You know, I post all the links to all the artists we feature on the show. So anytime you sit there and go, what the fuck did they just say? Just click on the links and go enjoy the music and support the artists. And now we're back. I'm here with Marco because it's the Marco and Andy Power Hour. We got a special guest, Mike Erdahl. We're talking about druids. We're talking about bears. And we are having a, a good time doing that. Hey, Mike. Yes, sir. Back to the Future is one of your favorite movies? Absolutely. That was my first theater experience, actually. I saw, I was lucky enough to see it in the movies, too. We went with the whole family, and uh, yeah, it was really good. I really liked Michael J. Fox, like in Family Ties and a lot of his other movies, and I just loved that. Watching that in the movies was uh, unbelievable. I remember for Christmas that year, I asked for a jean jacket and a, a Walkman, <laughs> just like Marty. <laughs> I was like five. <laughs> when I was a kid, I used to play Back to the Future, but what I, what that meant was I would be Doc Brown and I would reenact the part where he gets shot by the terrorists because, you know, like when he gets blown away and he's, he like lifts his one leg into the air. Bolivians. I'd wiggle backwards with my one leg in the air pretending to get blown away and then I would uh, die and that would be the game. <laughs> That's what Back to the Future was to me. But actually, that brings up something I wanted to talk about because, mm-hmm. like, you know how there's lots of nerds upset now with things like the Marvel Universe or superhero movies, you know, for like allegedly going downhill or or not being as good as they used to be, which made me think what movie series in history ever maintained quality across the series? You know, like when we were young before like cinematic universe movies, it was uncommon for even like a trilogy to be great. You know, it's either like the first one is the best and the sequels are okay or the second one is the best or the third one sucks. And like now nerds expect movie 38 to be good. You know, there was a reason why we always used to like marvel at movies like Terminator 2 and Aliens and Godfather 2 because they were like the few great sequels in history. It was an achievement for a sequel to be good, you know, but now you got nerds being like, I can't believe Doctor Strange 4 where he teamed up with Ms. Marvel to fight Red Skull's sister sucked. And it's like, of course it sucked. (laughs) It was movie 78. Like, you're lucky you got like five or six great movies from this franchise. But the reason I brought it up was thinking of of Back to the Future because, you know, even though it is seen as one of the better trilogies, I still think that, you know, the first one is a standalone, like, classic movie and the sequels are just, like, okay. I gotta be honest with you, I really like the third one too and maybe that's just because I, like, I was really into Western movies at the time but there was just something about that I liked a lot. But... I could see if other people didn't think it was that great. I totally get it, but I did like number three. Yeah, my issues with two and three are just that they're kind of cartoony compared to the first one. Mm. The performances are bigger and broader, and like, even though the first one is still like a Hollywood movie, it's way more subtle than the sequels. Mm -hmm. Like, the characters feel more real, and in the sequels, the acting is like over the top, and the old age makeup is over the top, you know? Like, Mm, fair enough. I don't know. What what do you think, Mike? Yeah, gosh, it's hard to say because I really enjoyed I would. So personally, I would say for me, it's interesting, Marco, that you like the third one. And maybe compared to two or three, you prefer the third. But I think number one definitely is my most favorite. And I think number two is probably my second favorite. And three would be a distant third. I really like the future aspects traveling to 2015 in part two. I just... As a kid, I thought that was fascinating. The idea of flying cars and hoverboards, I thought that was pretty wild. But 
unfortunately we did not get that future no <laughs> no i know don't we go was pretty sweet though we all like wildfires right <laughs> yeah great <laughs> but it's the same as the uh like the original indiana jones trilogy like i personally think raiders is just like back to the future like it's an awesome standalone singular movie and like i think the third one is fun but like the first one is special well i think raiders of the lost ark and the holy grail are really good Okay, I think they're great, and I think I, I saw Temple of Doom in the movies. So I was really young, and that kind of freaked me out because it's really dark at the I, like really dark, and uh, yeah. I thought that one was the bad one. Even watching them now, I still think the fir- uh, first one always is going to be the best one for sure. It's so freaking good, but I still think the third one's really good. It's more truer to the original, I feel like. But yeah, what do you think, Mike? Yeah, I re- I n- don't think I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark first in the series my first one was temple of doom and i think i probably saw that one a little too young i remember the monkey brain scene freaked me (laughs) out and i think gosh was there a i'm trying to remember in that movie there was like a scene with the black and white television where they were juggling kittens and that really upset me (laughs) yeah that movie's full on I think it's PG as well. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, what the, the fuck? The heart scene is. Yeah, yeah. I like that each of the Indiana Jones has that moment, but for me, it's like the face melting scene of the first movie is awesome. It's one of my favorite fucking really scenes is. of all time. Yeah, um, so I good. love it. The music's great. I just there's some movies where I just don't like comedy relief. I like when the humor just comes from the situations and the characters. Like in the first Indiana Jones, like my kind of sense of humor is when he fucking shoots the guy. Yes. Who's got the fucking sword. The big sword, yeah. That's the kind of humor I like in a movie like that, where it's true to the character, it's funny, it's a little dark, you know, it's surprising, but, like, what I don't like is, like, comedy relief characters, and Willie Scott, like, her character just sucks. Like, <laughs> there's there's no way around it. Like, and I get, like, hey, she's the opposite of Marion, but, like, Marion was a cool character, so, like, this character sucks, you know? Like, yeah, she's a little annoying. It's just, it's just a weird decision to purposefully make make a character that sucks who is going to be there for the entire movie <laughs> but look we are getting sidetracked from my question so uh <laughs> let's listen to some music and and get recentered here so look i got some dark synth here this is a cool track uh it's called cyber genesis by into the pale abyss <laughs> Yeah. 
that was Into the Pale Abyss with the track Cyber Genesis. And we're back. The Marco and Andy Power Hour. I'm here with Marco. We're having a good time. We're here with special guest Mike, who's a cool Patreon supporter. All right. He fucking makes things with cars. He loves semiconductors. Oh, I got a question. <laughs> Is it sacrilege for you to put futuristic electronics into a vintage car? Or do you think that's cool? I think so. Personally, I think it's cool. I would maybe avoid making that i would try to hide it so yeah bringing the modern conveniences that we have today to an old car like for example the 64 the very first thing i did was take the carburetor off and put fuel injection on it the fuel injection unit itself looks like a carburetor to the untrained eye everything looks as it should under the hood but yet it starts every time I can cruise in the mountains and don't have to worry about the mixture or whatever. It gets good gas mileage. Yeah, I don't have a problem with it. What about full on like taking an old car body, but like making it an electric car inside? That's a thing. Um, my brother works for a high end vehicle restoration company and there it's kind of like their skunk works project is electrifying old cars. They have a 30, a 32 Ford. And the drivetrain is all modern and electric. There's definitely people that are interested in that. What is Skunk Works? That's like, you know, kind of doing projects out of the public eye. Skunk Works? <laughs> why, why is that? What's the origin of that phrase? Uh, oh, I'm trying to remember. That's Northrop Grumman. It's one of the aerospace companies. They work on all their super secret cool projects. It's called Skunk Works. Like the uh, F-117 I think that was a that was done by Skunk Works. Wait, so Skunk Works is like a name of a thing, or is it like a phrase like we do this work out the back like a skunk? So I, I think I'm trying to think what is the actual origin of that phrase? If it's that division of an aerospace company and people just adopted it, or it was the other way around? That was just a phrase in you know people's vocabulary. Because you're ashamed if you're a skunk, so like you have to hide all your <laughs> skunk activities in the back because you don't want the public to see. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I like trying to figure out the etymology of words. It's fun. All right, listen, I wanted, I'm thinking about this fucking movie series thing. So, Marco, tell me what you would consider to be, like, in my opinion, there is no perfect movie series, but... No, but... Yep. And you're not going to probably like my answer, but these are more B-grade, but I guess they were pretty popular. I really liked the Halloween series up until number five, so the first four were really good. All four of them I liked. And then you've got Friday the 13th, which I liked the first seven were really good. And then number eight, kind of Jason Takes Manhattan, kind of a little off the rails there, kind of got a little worse. But the early ones are really good. They're all, like, really good. But then again, they're B-grade horror movies, so Mm. I don't know if that counts, Andy. Does that count? That's a good question, because, like, they are a slightly different caliber of film. It's not that they can't be enjoyed, but there is something different about watching a Friday the 13th movie than what... I. <laughs> but I don't want to upset anybody by saying, like, I'm talking about good movies, Marco, but... I, <laughs> I that's what, what I mean. To... I knew you were going to object, because you're not a horror movie buff, <laughs> but that's okay. No, but I, that's fine. I don't know what you would class as more mainstream stuff or I don't know but you're right like even Aliens 3 was pretty shit really it was a letdown 1 and 2 were incredible and 3 it wasn't a bad movie it's just after number 1 and 2 it's like what you killed off the fucking main characters just like that and then you just it's like there's no weapons and it's one alien I mean it's like come on like I used to be a defender of that film and be like you know what it's still okay obviously the first two are way better but I still was a fan of Alien 3 but I watched it like a month ago and it's not that good 
good. I was like, you know, this movie's fucking boring. It is. It's really not that good. What still is good about it is the cast is really awesome. Yeah. One of my favorite actors who plays one of the prisoners, um, Danny Webb, has the best fuck in a movie. It's my favorite. fuck. Yeah, when the fucking alien, like the, the guy who runs the prison, the bald, they're all bald, I guess, but there's the one dude yelling, and then all of a sudden, right in, in the mess hall in front of everybody, and the alien just runs down and grabs him and pulls him into the ceiling, mm-hmm. and it's like, ah, and he screams, and his like, blood flops down, and then everyone's just standing around in silence, and it just cuts to fucking Danny Webb, and he's just like holding a mop, and he's just like, fuck! It's here! Just here and get that foolish woman back to the infirmary! Fuck! I love that fuck so much. The look on his face is amazing. <laughs> it's just—it's one of my favorite fucks in just movie history, and I think I just like that, <laughs> <laughs> like kind of more than the movie. What I forgot about was how shitty the effects were. Holy fuck! The effects in Alien Three are terrible. Yeah, they're pretty bad. It is bad. I watched the making of it, and they—they they really fucked it up. They really did. After coming from Aliens, which is like pretty fucking flawless, like special effects wise, like, yeah, there's a few rear projection y looking shots and some kind of green screen that with like the ships and stuff like that. But for the, the most ships part. The ships bad, but the aliens themselves look really good. Yes. There's no part where mm-hmm. the alien looks like it's like cut out and put on the screen or whatever. Like the alien in part three, like a lot of the time it's like green screened into the shot. It looks fucking horrible. Like it's just, it's weird. Even the producer cut on the Blu ray where they replace some shots with CGI, it's still not great. Nah. The, the movie does have a cool look to it, and it does have a cool score, but I was actually surprised at how dull it felt when I watched it the last time, especially after just watching Alien and Aliens, like, a few days earlier. Yeah. Like, those are just such tightly paced and just awesome. Even the director's cut of Aliens, I love. Yeah. I like the direct. I actually watch the director's cut pretty much as the go-to now. Yeah, me too. Yep. I'm trying to remember if I've actually watched all the Aliens. The trilogies that I can think of, that yeah. They're more modern, but that I really enjoyed. Obviously, Lord of the Rings was pretty amazing. Yeah. I, I actually really liked all three of the, the Matrix movies. I know a lot of people have hmm. issues with some of them, but I'm a big Keanu fan. But and enjoyed the Matrix. And then I'm trying to remember what was the other trilogy I had on the top of my head. But I guess I'm going to be a stickler about this. I don't know that I count Lord of the Rings because you know how there's like the different types of movie series, right? And Lord of the Rings was made simultaneously. Like they made it as one big thing. And yeah, they went back and did reshoots, but it's different and stands apart from the other movie series, right? Because Back to the Future only got part two and three because of the success of the first film. The same with The Matrix. In fact, The Matrix was very similar because like it did the same thing Back to the Future did where they shot the two sequels back to back. The entire trilogy wasn't you know, filmed as a whole thing. And of course, like the Star Wars movies have like three years in between them. And like, there's a different type of movie series. There's the one where we just assume there's going to be like nowadays where everything is designed, where they just assume there's going to be a series of movies. And then when the first one sucks, you're left with some stupid movie that ends on a cliffhanger that's never going to get resolved. That's I think, the thing that disappoints me the most of like modern movies is like everything is designed to be some sort of franchise and the first movies aren't as strong anymore because it's like, well, we're going to hint towards this guy, but don't worry, he'll be the bad guy in movie six. Like this will be a plot point in movie three. And I'm like, how about you just make a good movie one and then we'll see if we want to see any more of this fucking thing. Were there any movies that you wished they would have made more of? 
Like for example, mine would be the Goonies. Oh, If you yeah. could make a sequel, like just revisit that story and those characters, I think that would be that would have been amazing. I think they're still talking about doing a sequel. I'm like it's gone now. Like you no. can't. Like they, I wish they had done it back in the day when they were still kids. I mean that would have been fucking awesome, dude. Yeah. That's a really good question. We're going to listen to some music, <laughs> and then I'll think about it while the song plays. That'll give me a good few minutes to think. <laughs> You're going to have a lot of time to think about it. <laughs> Marco. Make it an inspirational track. Yeah, Marco, you're up. Me? I, get, I keep thinking that you're missing tracks. All right, well, uh, make it. Okay, this is pretty inspirational. Wolf Club has a new album out. It's really good stuff. My favorite off it is probably the one that everybody likes. You can't resist this one. It's uh, Crystallize.
All right, and that was Crystallize by Wolf Club. And that's a cool song, and we're back. The Marco and Andy Power Hour. I'm here with Marco. I'm here with special guest Mike, awesome patron extraordinaire. Talking about movie series, and Mike posed the question, what's a movie series that you wish was continued? And I will say, given that now we just listened to that whole song that gave me a good four minutes to think, (laughs) that... I would have liked to have had a third Michael Keaton Batman. Fair enough, yep. With Tim Burton still at the helm back when he was making movies I liked. That's the first one that sort of jumps to my head. I would have loved, this is a slightly altered question, I would have liked a better Terminator 3. Yeah, big time. (laughs) One that was the movie that everyone wanted it to be, a.k.a. a future war film that looked like the fucking scene from the second movie and not some weird alternate thing. Everyone, like, anyone you talk to is like a fan of Terminator, so just give us a two-hour movie that looks like the first fucking 15 minutes of Terminator 2, but, like, it's just a two-hour film, future war movie. I would have liked that. What about Commando? They should have made a sequel to Commando. Oh, yeah, there yeah. you go. Actually, I would have liked a sequel to Commando. <laughs> right? That was a great movie. I mean, and Sully, on. Sully should have been still alive. So <laughs> yeah. after he dropped him off the cliff, but he, Sully comes back, he's got, like, an eye patch. <laughs> they made so many sequels to Rambo, they could have done with one with Commando, too, surely. That's a good point, actually, because I still... And maybe this is sacrilege to say, but I find the Rambo films kind of silly. Like, they're silly to me. <laughs> Pretty bad. Like, they're entertaining, but they're they're goofy, you know what I mean? Like, when I watch Commando, I, it still is cheesy, but there's something, I don't know, there's, we, it also has an amazing score, because I was watching it the other day, yeah, and the score of score. Commando is fucking awesome. But it's really funny, too. Like, it's a genuinely funny movie, like the parts with Sully, like you said. Oh, dude, Sully's amazing. last! And there's so many scenes like, uh, I eat green berets for breakfast. And right now, I'm very hungry. You know, like, just the roast red. <laughs> it's so funny, the dialogue. <laughs> My friend, he's dead tired, you know? I love those two like, that no one notices. <laughs> yeah. He's fucking just elbows on Riquez, and he uh, just snaps his, his neck, neck and or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so loud, but no, nobody notices. What I love is when he goes to the back of the plane, yeah. and there's that back part that just has, like, the leather covering it, and he just rips yeah. through it with his fingers. He just pushes yeah. his fingers through the leather, and then it's fucking yeah. Play-Doh. It's awesome. I fucking love that part. <laughs> that movie is pretty ridiculous, though. He just takes on an island of fucking... An army that's on this island, and he doesn't really even take cover. He just runs out and shoots everybody. Yeah. But anyway, it's a great movie. <laughs> well, he's the best. That's how you get to be the best. You just run in an open field and <laughs> just <laughs> let people fire on you. Yeah, Commando 2. That would have been good. I would have liked a better RoboCop 3 as well. I'm changing the question, though, because yeah. I'm not missing saying I wish they fixed the movies that sucked. <laughs> Like, a RoboCop 3 that, like, was directed by Verhoeven would have been pretty awesome. Or who knows? Maybe it wouldn't have been. Because we're seeing it now where we're getting these nostalgia films where they're bringing back old actors. And I hate having to admit this to myself. Mm-hmm. But obviously, we don't like it when roles are recast. And it's lame when they kill off characters because the actor didn't want to come back or they do some stupid shit in the story why they're not in the movie and stuff. But Mm -hmm. then with the Expendables movies, and I tried watching that fucking FUBAR show on Netflix with Arnold. (laughs) And the thing is, it sucks to admit it, but it's like they just can't do it. I hate having to sit there and be like, actually watching Arnold in action movies sucks now because he's an old man. Like he can't. 
do the, the moves. Precinct. They kept on swapping him out with a stunt double, but every time it was him, he was moving so slowly, like in the action scenes. And it's like, yeah, like we got to be watching the fucking, you know, like the John Wicks or people keep telling me to watch that fucking movie on Netflix with uh, Chris Hemsworth. And they're supposed to be good. Like, we, we should be watching the action movies with, like, the new, like, the younger stars. I would keep wanting the nostalgia to power and just be like, no, this movie's going to be good. But, dude, watching fucking old men move slowly through action scenes sucks. Yeah. And I don't know what the right answer is. Because, like, when they made the new Ghostbusters movie, I'm like half happy to see the old Ghostbusters show up mm-hmm. but then when they do you're just like ah, they're just a bunch of old men like th- why are they here like yeah. so there's no winning it's like either you don't put the characters mm. in and then we complain how come the old actors didn't come back to fucking pass the torch to the new characters but then when the old guys do show up it's like ah this kind of sucks like because they're old and like they can't do the stuff I want them to do and so there is no right answer you yeah know? I'm definitely with you there whenever they bring back the old actors I don't know. Usually doesn't go well. And like you said, when they do have the movies where the old actors passes a torch to the new actors, there's complaints. And when they kill off the old actors, there's complaints. So I, yeah, there's just there's just no winning. You got to pay tribute to the character. Like what they did with Star Wars with Luke Skywalker and Han Solo. I it just felt like they. It was just fucking. That was terrible, man. They fuck like those characters are awful. Well, why do you have to do that? Yeah, that's the one thing I'm a little upset about with the latest trend which is to sort of make them losers yeah i think there is a good way to honor classic movies and it seems like whenever that happens people are genuinely generally happy and where it's like you you look at a movie like maverick for example and it's one where you know maverick is there and he isn't like a an old drunk who's sad about his life or whatever like it just it just feels like the, the modern trend is like they make the new movie and when the old guy shows up they're in like some shitty place or they're depressed i mean like i know they do that in the new indiana jones they did that to luke skywalker Mm. it's this weird trend where it's like all we really want to see as an audience is just like just give us one last hurrah at least in the case of star wars they are magical so with luke i would have believed it because like there's already precedent in, in the series for an old man to have powers and be old but still be able to do things right i would have been fine with it maybe it's a little harder to accept harrison ford as an 80 year old man doing anything let alone like fucking riding horses and being in crazy action scenes and hanging out of stuff you know what i mean you just be like okay come on. like dude's 80 man it is hard to accept but it's i'm trying to think of a movie that that i've seen lately that really where i felt like all right this did it right yeah i can't think of any right now either to be honest that's depressing yeah i know (laughs) (laughs) it's got to be something come on mike there's got to be something right there's got to be i'll be more positive andy you know like i'm a nostalgic guy so with this retro resurgence we're getting all these like sequels to movies from the 80s and stuff and they're all kind of bad but we're all excited when we first hear word of it like oh like they're making a new ghostbusters or they're doing this and that and like or not only that they're bad but that they're just there like i watched the new ghostbusters and it was like fine but it's not going to go into the rotation or whatever and there's so many of these sequels that are like that where I watch them and I'm like, okay, that was okay. But I also don't really like a lot of modern movie making techniques. And so it's like when you make sequels to all these 80s movies and they have a particular look and then part four comes out and it's made like last year. And so it looks all digital and crisp and weird. And like, that's the same thing. When they make fucking Beverly Hills Cop 4, you know, it's going to look like some fucking shot on video thing because that's what like, all of these new movies kind of look like. And so it's just going to feel wrong when you watch it. It's not going to feel like it's part of the other s- series. You are know? they actually making a Beverly Hills Cop 4? I didn't. I haven't been paying attention. I think they are. I think that's... Oh, God. Yeah. They're supposed to be making twins, too, as well. 
Oh gosh, that got yeah, canceled. I was in a though. comment where we were talking about bad trilogies. I think yeah, Beverly Hills Cop three was so bad. Was definitely out there. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched it in a long time. I just subscribed to Paramount Plus to watch all the Mission Impossibles because I hadn't seen them before. So I've just watched. I finished the third one just now, and I think they got the Beverly Hills Cops on there. So I'm gonna. I'm going to rewatch because three is the one like, you know, I've watched one and I've watched two, but I haven't watched three since I watched it the first time. And whenever that came out, like 90, when is that? Like 96 or seven or something or 94 or five, maybe 90. <laughs> it's got to be one of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, let's keep naming years. Um, well, look, we can probably wind down, but I'm going to play another song. 1994, Andy. There you go. Was that, did you say that or did I say that? I, I might have. I don't know. I, I can't remember. In the edit, I'll make it so I said it. The bottom line is it was shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that period of time where they were doing PG sequels to R-rated franchises, like, that just does not work. But look, we're going to listen to this cool song. Uh, Betamax put this out a while ago. I had it in my list, and then I forgot that it was there. So we're going to listen to it now. It's a cool, it's a cool <laughs> tune, and it's got a nice vibe. It's called Depiction by Betamax.
And that was Depiction by Betamax. And we are here, the Marco and Andy Power Hour, with special guest Mike. I feel like I've been doing a lot of talking in these last two segments. So we'll wind down, and I'll fade into the background. And Mike, I'll allow you to take the floor. So if there's anything you want to say, <laughs> forever hold your peace. Yeah, well, I mean, I can just close, obviously, by saying thank you. And it's been an amazing experience to to get to meet you and meet Marco and looking forward to 470 some odd more episodes. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm hoping at some point AI can edit them for me. That's what I'm uh... yeah, Sounds like you're well on your way. Yeah, it's nice chatting with you, Mike. It's nice to know you. You're an interesting guy. Well, you've definitely provided many hours of entertainment, Marco. So <laughs> I still can't believe me. that, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that always spins me out when people say that, but that's really awesome. Thanks, man. The point is that you're a cool patron, and of course, I could not continually make the show without awesome people like you who support it. And I'm very grateful for that. As long as, I st- as long as I have a paycheck, I'll be with you to the end, Andy. <laughs> then let's hope <laughs> that everything goes well with the semiconductor business. <laughs> Make sure that you can field application engineer your way to success and become the king of the field engineers. Oh, yeah. I'm with you there. The point is that we're all cool and it's uh, it's a good time and for everyone listening be cool like mike erdahl man he's a cool guy what do you think about that <laughs> great way to end and he's the best at goodbyes he really is the best <laughs> maybe i should get chat gpt to hold on i'm ending my podcast recording now <laughs> with co-host marco and special guest mike can you give me a good sentence to end on? Absolutely. Here is a closing statement for your podcast. <laughs> thank you all for tuning in today. And a special thank you to our co-host, Marco, and our exceptional guest, Mike. As we conclude this enlightening journey, let's remember to carry these insights into our daily lives. Keep exploring. Stay curious. And until next time, this is us signing off and wishing you all an inspiring and enriching day ahead. Stay tuned for our next episode. Goodbye and take care. <laughs> nice. That was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, not bad. <laughs> I'll say what the topic of the show is. Yeah, do that. Do the that. The topic of the show was semiconductors. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> In that case, here's a closing statement more specific to your topic. It's been truly enlightening discussion on semiconductors today with our knowledgeable co-host Marco and our insightful special guest Mike. As we wrap up, let's remember that these tiny components are the heart of our digital world, driving innovation and transforming our future. Stay curious, keep learning, and continue to explore the fascinating world of semiconductors with us. (laughs) Until next time, this is us signing off and wishing you all a day filled with curiosity and discovery. Don't miss our next episode. Goodbye and take care. Goodbye and take care. I don't know why he always says that. Can you work semiconductors into the goodbye? (laughs) Okay, let's see if it does it. Until our next episode, goodbye and stay switched on. Does that work? Stay switched on. Nice. Yeah. I like it. All right. Well, there we go. So stay curious, keep exploring, and let's continue our journey into the fascinating world of semiconductors together. Until our next episode, goodbye and stay switched on. Oh, yeah, brother. There, perfect. Goodbye, everybody. 
Beyond Synth Radio is produced by Andy Last. Check the show notes for more information on the musicians featured on the show. Beyond Synth is made possible by listeners like you. Consider supporting Beyond Synth at patreon.com slash beyondsynth. Thanks for listening.